0: And welcome to the Daily Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my podcast that goes out every day with my email newsletter to paid subscribers on my Substack, the Kanka. Uh, today, I wanted to update you all on some stuff that's happening in global markets and in geopolitics that matters to us in our economy because even though we're a housing market with bits tacked on, The conditions uh, for interest rates in particular in that housing market are set overseas largely and we need to keep an eye on what's happening there we also do trade with the rest of the world and uh, we need to know if there's going to be any sort of recession or stagflation or inflationary outbreak and there's been some interesting news overnight firstly uh, the united states economy the world's largest actually performed a little bit better in the june quarter than people were expecting The US uh, does an interesting thing with their GDP stats. They do several different estimates and eventually they settle on one that they agree is the actual result for the particular quarter involved. And the first estimate of uh, June quarter GDP actually saw a fall of 0.9%. This surprised people because it meant that there'd been two consecutive quarters of falling GDP in the United States which technically is a recession. But the Americans also have an unusual way of deciding what is a recession or not. They have like a, a bunch of uh, judges, um, pop star style uh, panel that decides whether or not there's been a recession. Most people think America is not in a recession because it has such a robust uh, labor market at the moment with such low unemployment. It's very hard to have a recession when you've got unemployment at 3%. However, um, the signs from the second quarter were slightly better than people were expecting. So instead of the 0.9%, the first estimate, we got 0.6% as the fall. And that was slightly better than the 0.8% consensus expectation from economists. So that's good news from the US economy, and it is the world's biggest. And if it only has a soft landing after the rate hikes from the Fed, then that's good news because inflation seems to be coming off the boil there now. However, um, we've got to keep an eye on what's happening in the United States, in particular uh, Jackson Hole, which is a mountain resort in Wyoming, gorgeous place, um, sort of like Queenstown, but for billionaires instead of millionaires. And uh, the World Central Bankers get together there normally uh, in August every year. Now, they haven't done that in person for three years because of COVID, so this is their first chance to do it. And it's a really big one this time around because uh, the central banks of the world blew it, I suppose, in that they kept printing through COVID and now they have an inflation uh, uh, outbreak they're trying to control. And uh, we're going to get a speech tomorrow morning at two o'clock in the morning New Zealand time from Jerome Powell, who is the US Federal Reserve Chair. And the markets have gotten themselves into an awkward position ahead of this speech, So the US Federal Reserve, pretty much since November, has been saying, "Okay, we've got an inflation problem here. We're going to have to put up interest rates aggressively to solve it. And uh, we don't mind if we create a recession in the meantime. We just need to control inflation. But the financial markets have looked at that and gone, oh, no, you're not really serious, are you? You're not going to uh, put up interest rates until the pips squeak. Remember, if you do that, um, financial markets might fall, and we believe that the Fed always has our back and uh, won't uh, kill the economy to uh, solve inflation. Whereas the Fed have actually been saying, uh, you guys better be careful, we actually really want to control inflation. And so the financial markets have been rallying for the last few weeks. The S&P 500 has bounced as much as 20% from its its, uh, bottom because it thinks that inflation is controlled and the Fed's not going to have to do too much to slow things down. Currently, financial markets see the US Federal Reserve putting the Fed funds rates, a bit like our official cash rate, up to around about three and a half four 4 percent which is sort of where ours is expected to top out at as well. But there are some on the fringes around the Federal Reserve who say it might have to go much, much higher than that. And... If that happens, then the United States economy will really uh, dive into a proper recession. Now, at the moment, the uh, signs are that the US economy is still going pretty strongly. It is slowing down, of course, because of higher interest rates this year, but not into some sort of really tough, big recession, more like a soft landing, which would be the perfect result for financial markets. But uh, we'll hear a lot more from Jerome Powell at Jackson Hole, as well as a whole bunch of other central bankers, so it's worth keeping an eye on. Now, heading across the Atlantic, it's been a brutal time for the European economy because last night gas prices rose to a record high of €300 per megawatt hour. Now, you may ask, what the heck does that mean? Well, the normal price for gas before uh, COVID and before the Ukraine war was about 30 euros per megawatt hour. So the price of gas, which is the main fuel for electricity production in Europe, has gone from 30 to 300. And so you're seeing uh, electricity prices in many places in Europe double, quadruple. So just imagine your power bill doubling or quadrupling. And that's actually what's going to happen in the UK this summer and um, another call overnight from people for a bailout from the government for consumers that could cost as much as a hundred billion pounds and of course when you increase gas prices tenfold um, and your economy runs its electricity and a lot of its industry off gas that's going to cause all sorts of trouble Germany is the biggest economy that's most exposed But interestingly, some of the others that you'd think would be a bit more insulated are not. So France, which actually gets most of its electricity from nuclear power plants, is also seeing a big jump in prices because it's had to turn off some of its nuclear production because it doesn't have enough water to cool down these nuclear plants. So um, if it's not the climate, then it's the war and uh, that's a problem for Europe and I include in today's email newsletter a a very good analysis of how big a shock this gas price hike is for the European economy relative to the 1970s oil shocks. You might recall in 1974 and seventy nine there were wars in the Middle East which caused the oil price to spike dramatically, it was very bad for our economy but also for the global economy and was one of the reasons for the stagflation of the 1970s and 1980s, which eventually only ended when central banks hiked interest rates until the pips squeaked. And uh, we had 11%, almost 11% unemployment in 1991 because of it. I know, I was unemployed. And... So uh, we need to keep an eye on what's happening in Europe. Now, at the moment, it looks like Europe is either already in recession or going to be by the end of the year. A lot of what happens will depend, of course, on what happens in the uh, war in Ukraine, which seems to be settling in for a long, grinding, uh, painful mess. And one of the reasons for the big jump in the gas price overnight was confirmation from the Russians, that Nord Stream 1, which is the main gas pipeline into Europe, will be turned off completely from September the 1st, so late next week, for three days running. Now it's painted as a maintenance shutdown, but the Europeans are getting nervous, understandably, that this is an excuse for the Russians to turn the gas off completely and to really put the screws on on Europe's support for Ukraine, and particularly as we go into the winter, it's, there's all sorts of pain um, rippling across the European economy uh, into consumers, who of course are dealing with all sorts of inflationary pressures. And the thought of having power bills double, quadruple for this for the winter is really stressing a whole bunch of democracies. So. Vladimir Putin knows where to turn the screws and it looks like he's doing it uh, literally to turn off the gas going into Europe. And that's why we're seeing these big price spikes. Now, the question is, does this mean there will be stagflation in Europe, i.e. higher inflation, but also a recession, higher unemployment, which we haven't seen for an awful long time? Or will the recessionary forces going through Europe take a lot of the steam out of the inflation that's going around the economy from the energy price shock and how will central banks in Europe obviously the European Central Bank's the main one but also the Bank of England respond to this for example in England they're staring down the barrel of a 13 percent increase in prices and the Bank of England uh, hasn't put up their official cash rate much at all, the European Central Bank is still still at 0%, and it's expected to put its rate up uh, quite dramatically uh, next month. But the question is, how can you be putting up interest rates going into a recession? And so the response of central banks will be important in Europe. If they really turn a recession into something worse, That will cause grief in the global economy. However, if they ease up a bit and don't put up interest rates, um, the question is, will you see inflation take off? Or will you see the recessionary effects of this gas price shock take the edge off inflation naturally and then we'll all have a nice, soft landing? Well, we don't know how that's going to work out yet. We're keeping an eye on it. Because there's also stuff happening in China today that you should know about. Um, China... Is in the midst of its own economic slowdown for different reasons. It actually doesn't have much inflation at all. It's around about three or 4%. And its main problem is still COVID. It has an elimination strategy. And uh, uh, when things get out of hand in China, they really do shut everything down. And at the moment, they've got outbreaks in their southern provinces, particularly the tourism provinces, and they're having to uh, turn off uh, all sorts of factories. But they also have a massive problem with drought. So the Yangtze, the main river, is drying up in various places. And a lot of the hydroelectric production that comes from the southwest of China has been downgraded dramatically. So they've had to turn off electricity to a whole bunch of factories. They've turned off lights in public places. And this is slowing down their economy, as well as the COVID lockdowns and as well as the collapses of all sorts of big apartment builders. Remember, they've got 60 million apartments built in China that are unoccupied. Massive oversupply of apartments. Wish we had that problem, but we don't. And that means that prices have been falling dramatically for apartments in China. A lot of the developers have gone bust. There's an awful lot of half-built apartment blocks around town. A lot of the uh, apartment developers are in bed with the local government who probably sold them the land. And a lot of them are mired in all sorts of debt, which means that they're trying to work out what to do with the debt. Well, overnight, the Chinese government announced a 1 trillion yuan package, that's about 150 billion US, of various debt reliefs and extra lending to local government and various other people to try to shift this logjam of debt, which is slowing down the property development sector. Now this isn't the sort of uh, shock and awe uh, 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 rescue package that we have seen from the chinese in the past which certainly helped them deal with the global financial crisis and again COVID. and a lot of the experts are saying this probably doesn't move the dial too much and china is still headed towards recession and remember is going to miss its uh, current official forecasts for growth this year It really depends in part on what Xi Jinping, the president, does with the elimination strategy or is it whether he holds on to it. Key thing here is there's a big meeting in October or November of the Chinese Communist Party's main leadership group. And a lot of people think that President Xi will hold on to elimination at least until that meeting and then after that may be able to ease up because he has allied himself so um, tightly with that uh, elimination strategy. A bit like our Prime Minister, but um, unlike here where we do, do have a democracy and people will vote out uh, politicians who tell them what to do and they don't want to do it. In China, um, when the politician says you do something, you do it <laughs> and you can't really complain about it. So Xi still has his elimination strategy. We'll see whether that lasts. The big picture here of all of these forces, which are broadly recessionary in the Northern Hemisphere, and uh, also at the same time dealing with inflation, is that we need to keep an eye on this uh, because if interest rates keep rising globally to try to slow down inflation, and these are decisions that central banks will make, then that will keep upward pressure on our interest rates. However, if, as we've seen in the last six weeks to two months, inflation pressures are coming off the boil naturally, if you like, as a lot of the COVID logistical chain problems work themselves out. Uh, In fact, the oil prices back down below where it was before the Ukraine war and food prices have come off in the last couple of months, that uh, if the central banks uh, look out far enough and say to themselves, well, we think inflation is falling by itself, we won't have to crunch the economies too much to solve it, well then we're likely to see interest rates uh, flatten off and start to fall potentially next year. That's important for us. Our economy is sputtering along. We're certainly not in recession. It's pretty hard to be in recession with a 3.3% unemployment rate, but certainly things are slowing down. And we could see that in yesterday's retail sales figures for Aotearoa New Zealand, where We actually saw a fall in retail sale volumes in the June quarter of 2.3%. Now, this was much worse than people had expected. The Economist uh, forecasts were grouped around a rise of 1.7%. And so, the uh, wealth effect of the big falls in house prices, particularly in Auckland City and Wellington City, are flowing through into consumer spending. And uh, that will take some of the heat out of the economy from the demand side. And some economists are starting to wonder whether, A, they uh, tweak their GDP forecast for the June quarter. Currently, most people expect GDP growth in the June quarter. Uh, this is after we had that drop in the March quarter due to Omicron. And some economists are also wondering, hmm, will the um, Reserve Bank still have to put up the official cash rate to 4% as we expect at the moment? We'll see. Uh, Certainly, we'll be keeping an eye on the other indicators for GDP that are going to roll in in the next week or two. And uh, we'll also keep an eye on what's happening with inflation indicators globally. The big picture here is that my view, and remember, I am away from the consensus on this, is that the uh, disinflationary forces that we've seen for the last 20 or 30 years haven't fundamentally gone away. And that is the forces of globalization of products shifting over into globalization of services. The uh, power of workers to demand big wage increases hasn't fundamentally changed. Unionization hasn't um, penetrated that much into the global workforce and is still a big drive for outsourcing and for cheaper migrant labour to move around the world. And that is uh, on top of um, some of the other def- deflationary or disinflationary forces that underpin the global economy, in particular rising inequality and the continual piling up of uh, savings into inert and not productive use, often just stashed in a bank account or into some form of uh asset which is a store of value rather than a tool to increase production and productivity. So um, we'll see how this uh, plays out. I'm still in team transitory. I'm of the view that interest rates don't rise as much as some people think or the consensus thinks and that uh, next year we'll start to see interest rates come down. Certainly in New Zealand from a real-world point of view, um, the fixed mortgage rates, the one and two year rates, which most people use when they take out a new mortgage, they have stopped rising. And in fact, they've been edging down for the last uh, few weeks. So we'll see how um, this plays out as we get more information. And uh, hopefully that was a useful roundup of what's going on in the global economy and how it affects us. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my course for Friday. The twenty sixth of August. Cacitano.